uh, time won't allow to go back and do a recap. So uh, just read the book of Daniel and it won't take you long to catch up. So that's where we're going to start. Daniel chapter 3 verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it usually heated. And this fire furnace, uh, in this context, represents the suffering during the Great Tribulation. And we're just going to use a couple of scriptures for that. Uh, for that verse 19 and one of those is Matthew 24 21 through 22 you don't have to go there I'm going to read them so uh, you can note those if you like for the note takers among us Matthew 24 21 22 for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be and unless those days were short no flesh would be saved but for the elect's sake those days will be shortened. So we are familiar, most of us at least, familiar with the Great Tribulation and what's going to occur during those times. And in this, Nebuchadnezzar is an anger call for the heat of the furnace to be intensely hot and using seven to denote the fullness of completion. And we can also reference Leviticus 26, 18 to 28. And he talked about, after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more than your sins. Then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. Then I also will walk contrary to you and I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall, take your bread, shall break your bread in one oven and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And the reason that this was used in, 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 in Daniel 3.19 and in Leviticus and Matthew was to indicate that that seven is a number of completion. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to make sure that these three young Hebrew boys were just incinerated. He didn't even want to see ashes left. So he wanted to turn this up. He, he was so angry at what was going on because Nebuchadnezzar had a, a desire to establish a kingdom. And there were so many things that were coming into play, especially his dream about this, 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 this idol until he was furious that he did not want to allow anything to derail that. So he wanted to make sure that these men were totally wiped out. And that seven, again, is uh, uh, the most fullness or completeness. Verse 20, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And this fiery furnace in this context, represents how God is, is going to deal with Israel at this time. And when, when, when I say Israel, think about what the Lord is saying here and, and think in terms of, is this just for Israel? And it is at this time, but look at what's going on around us right now, today. And I just got to say, I am thankful that we re-entered an era where everybody that gets sick, everybody that dies, is not a result of COVID. I say amen to that because that was it. Uh, tragic things happening. Everything was COVID. So now people are actually getting colds. People are actually getting flu. People are actually getting into car accidents and everything else. And it's not COVID. So we're, we're back. <laughs> Verse 20, uh, and, and this, this fiery furnace, uh, when he cast the, let me read this. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And 
when we read this, we say, where was Daniel? Because in, at the, in the other prior verses, Daniel has always been a part of those, those three and that, that fourth one. And now Daniel is not included. And we learn in, other, in an earlier version that he did not bow down to this image. So why wasn't Daniel included in this? And we could speculate, but I prefer not to, as to where Daniel is, because sure enough, Daniel has been a part of this. He was part of the original uh, plan to destroy all the, 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 the talking heads in this, in this system of Nebuchadnezzar. It is possible that Daniel represents the church which is removed from the scene of the great tribulation. So Daniel is being removed from this. He's being spared. And that's what the Lord is going to do with his remnant. He's going to remove them uh, prior to the, the great tribulation. And also, the, the Hebrew boys, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is a representation of how the world intends to destroy the church. They represent the church and how God is going to spare them. And there's hope in that. And that's what I want to encourage each and every one of us to think in terms of there's always hope. God's always got a plan, no matter what you're going through. He's always got a plan. No matter how much you feel like you're in dire straits, he's working it out. And that's hard for us to comprehend in the flesh. Why would a loving God do a thing like this? And we've heard that question numerous times, and some of you have asked that question. Why would a loving God allow something like this to happen? Simply because he is sovereign. He blesses us because he's sovereign. He chastises us because he's sovereign. And it's, it's the, that's the healthiest way to think because too often we give God credit for the time that we're on the mountain being blessed well beyond measure. As soon as we slide down into the valley, oh, the enemy is really attacking me today. No, not necessarily. God has a plan even through that. And sometimes what happens with us is he's speaking to us in that still small voice. And because the world is providing so many distractions, we can't hear it. So now what he has to do, he has to turn it up a little bit. He has to turn up the heat, so to speak. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did to these boys. He turned it up. He wanted to see them totally destroyed. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, which could also mean harsh, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This flame was so hot until they had to go up on a ramp because this furnace was shaped like a funnel. So when you drop down in, you went right on top of the source of heat. That was the whole idea. So they're just going to be... And what happened, the furnace was so hot until when these men, his servants, climbed the ramp to dump in these three Hebrew boys, they were incinerated as well. So that just talks about the intensity of the heat. And it helps us to understand that no matter how difficult it is, no matter how high the heat is turned up, if God is with you, you won't be affected. No matter what. And some of us are going through difficult times even now. Where is that God that you guys have been talking about for so long? Where is he now? He's there. He's with you. And we'll talk about that at the end of this, this particular message. And as these men were going up of this ramp to dump the three boys in there, it got to the point where they had no choice. If they didn't follow Nebuchadnezzar's command to bring them up, they would have just been dumped in there with the Hebrew boys. Nebuchadnezzar was furious at this point. I want my way, and I want it now. And, you know, the analogy that I make is I just equate that to a, a two-year-old. The old me monster with the dreaded eye disease. And that's it. Mom, Dad, it's about me. I, mine, mine, I, I, I. And that's where Nebuchadnezzar is now. Some of you can't relate to that 
because some of you here got so much patience, so much long-suffering until you don't sweat the small stuff, and then there's some of us that do. So we get to the point where the flesh wants to rule, and the flesh is relentless. It never gives up. So we got to keep allowing the Lord to impute the light in us to cancel out some of that darkness. That's what we need. And on that note, I just got to say that we are, we've got enough stuff right here to occupy our mind, our thoughts, our lives. But some of us are seeking other things to be concerned about. So we want to solve the world's issues. Does the Lord have a plan even in what's going on in a faraway land? The answer is yes. What does that mean for us? You pray, you ask God, what do I do in a situation like this? And it's different for everyone. Some of you, he just said, be still, and, be still and, and allow me to be God. Or he's saying, go forward and teach the gospel. Lift up the name of Jesus. What is the right thing for you? I can't go by what my sister thinks or my brother thinks. I have to go by what the Lord is calling me to do. And that's what I want to encourage you guys. You know, be yourself. You must be yourself because everybody else is already taken. So you got to be yourself. Got to be yourself. And, and just uh, what's the Lord calling me for? And then follow that. He'll lay out that path for you to follow, for me to follow. And that's the only thing we should be concerned about. I'm not saying don't keep up with what's going on in the world. I'm saying don't allow the world to control what you're bringing into your ear gates and your eye gates. Do not. It's not safe. It's not godly. Because if we just keep indoctrinating ourselves in the things of the world, then you may not realize it, but you're going to be conformed to the world. And the, the, the word advises us against that. Do not be conformed to the world. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And the thing is, once they drop them in, there's these columns around them, and you go straight down, as I said, right on top of the source of fuel. And that way, there's no, it's not like you can step to the side or you can go out the back door and be saved. You're in it. You're in that furnace. You're in that fire. And now there's nothing for you to contend with except to burn. And I, I would say this would not be the same as the uh, fiery, uh, the, the lake of fire. Intently, as the uh, guards were burned, or, uh, turned into ash, these three men would not, but they died immediately. And I can contrast this to the lake of fire where you're going to be alive, you're going to be in pain, and it's going to be forever. So for those among us who do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, I pray that this would be the day of salvation because you can't imagine the torment. You're, you're being burned alive, literally, and you can't die. There is no escape from that. And just, again, allow the Lord to control, you know, your timing. Uh, there are some of us who found the Lord at an early age. Some of us who found him at an advanced age. And praise the Lord that you found him. Just be thankful. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke spoke saying to his counselors did you not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire they answered and said to the king true O king and in, in 25 look he answered I see four men loose walking in the middle of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God like the son of God And Nebuchadnezzar seemed to have known that the fourth person was a heavenly being and called him like the Son of God. And that fourth person was possibly Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance. And there is no reason for us not to believe that. Who can do a miracle like this? 
can these kings of, of Babylon, the, the hundreds that they had, can they pull this off? The answer is no. And Nebuchadnezzar recognized that, but we have to remember, as we read Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar believed, Nebuchadnezzar did not believe. Nebuchadnezzar believed, Nebuchadnezzar did not believe. So he is in and out depending on the situation, like some of us. I believe in God as long as he is making his will line up with mine. But when he's not, it makes it very difficult. And I shared with the men uh, this week, I had an opportunity to uh, witness to a, a person and she used to believe in God until he took her father. Can't believe him anymore. Why not? Because a loving, if he's a God of love, then he knows how much I loved my father and he would have never taken him away. Did you like the way your father's life was at that moment? Well, no, he had cancer, he was struggling. So you're saying, I would rather see my father stay here and struggle for me instead of going home to be with the Lord? Well, that's not entirely true. I, I can't go by what you meant. I can only go by what you said. So, and that's a lot of us, a lot of us just questioning, why would the Lord do a thing like this? I'm a Bible-thumping Christian, so why should I suffer? But you're also wrapped in flesh. You also have tendency to sin. You also have, you're also prone to wander. So sometimes God has to put you in check, and it's not always pleasant. So he's always doing something. And the word says, if you want to believe this, the word says all things work to the good. All. No exceptions. So you got to think God is doing something. I may not like it, but I, I'm willing to accept what he's doing. That's the attitude we need to have. I won't say got to, because you've got a choice. That's where free will comes in. I want to reference uh, Joshua 5, 13 through 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us, for us or against us? Are you for us or our adversary? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face in the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And the three, these three Hebrew men represent the remnant which will be miraculously preserved during this period. God will preserve the remnant of Israel in a miraculous fashion during the Great Tribulation. And we keep referencing the Great Tribulation because that's a, 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 that's a focal point in this particular passage, in these particular passages, because it's something that we really need to understand. And we're not going to take this time to explain for those who don't know what the Great Tribulation is. You have an opportunity to ask that question afterwards if you like. And it's not difficult just like the rest of the gospel, is simple. But we need to understand what the Great Tribulation is all about. It's, it's, uh, it's mandatory. 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went to near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. If you are a true believer today, you can rest assured that God will go with us and preserve us either in or out of the deep waters or fiery furnaces. He's with you. He's with you. Deep waters or fiery furnaces, he's with you. And I know in my heart that there are those among us now who are doubting because he's not giving us what we want. 
And we look at that as, that's not a God. That's not a God who cares about me because he's not giving me what I want. If I, Richard, was given everything that I wanted, I wouldn't be standing here today. It's a fact. And I'm not saying that to put myself down or even to sound boastful, but no way. No way. Because at that time, I was more concerned about the trappings of the world. More is better. More stuff, more toys, more things. And if the Lord had given me that, then what do I need him for? And, and I don't want to stumble anybody by saying, well, if you got all, the, all you want, then you don't really need him. On the contrary, you need him no matter where you are, who you are, what you are. You need him. All I'm saying is be careful. Be very careful by thinking that you know what's best better than God knows what's best. You're going to find yourself as you acquire these things, and I'm speaking from experience, as you acquire these things, you think you own them. Now they own you. They own you. Everything that you have requires some type of maintenance. No matter what it is, no matter what kind of toy, what kind of home, it's going to own you at some point. You're going to start making provisions for that rather than your time with the Lord. And this is not something I read. This is not something I heard or saw on TV. Lived it. And I'm speaking from experience. And some of you know. Some of you already know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If you're a true believer, God will go with you and go with me in or out of the deep waters of the fiery furnace. He will be there. And we're going to reference Matthew 28:20, 20, which says, teasing them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age is that it Lord and he just let us know that by saying amen I'm with you I'm with you I'm not going anywhere you're important to me I love you and I will do whatever it takes to help to guide your heart to love me John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Peace. How many of us long for peace in our lives right now? How many of us are dealing with prodigal sons, prodigal daughters, uh, children, or even adults that are in our homes that are just rebellious? How many of us are dealing with that? Oh, Lord, just give me just peace. And how you experience that for on a momentary basis when they, they either leave the house or you leave the house. Peace. But he can give you that peace that lasts. He can bring that daughter, that son back to, to him. The thing that we have to learn is to let go. It's hard. If I let go of my son, my daughter, that means I'm giving up on them. No, it doesn't. You're trying to fix it. You can't fix it. Can't meaning impossible. I know that goes against the word, all things are possible, but you can't fix it. Turn them over to Jesus. Okay, I, I can't do anything about this. I've been trying, so I'm just going to let it go. Jesus, he's yours. She's yours. And let it go. And, and rest in that. Experience his peace in that. And again, a challenge. But it is possible. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The world, Lord? Yeah. That includes, yeah, it includes that. But Lord, you don't understand. I have a situation that's unique. No, you don't. No, you do not. But I'm the only one that's struggling in this area. No, you're not. And this was where fellowship comes into play. To be able to ra rally around uh, his remnant and be a part of that. Rally around other sisters and brothers who know the Lord, who can encourage you in the word. Positive encouragement. Every uh, Christian is not a Christian. That's all I can say about that.
but just allow him to guide you to where you need to be to receive encouragement from your sisters and brothers. And one of the things that we've been talking about lately is how during one season we fell into Zoom for the for the people among us who are not techies, me either. So, and they said, well, I'm just as comfortable at home in my jammies and I can multitask and I can do all these things. I can get dinner done and listen to the message at the same time. Probably not. You convince yourself that you are, but the problem with the word is you need to be focused. I need to be focused because you may miss one little nugget that changes everything. We need to be focused on the Lord. So when you desire to Zoom or do your worship, your fellowship from home, I don't know if you can do fellowship from home. I'm not quite sure what that means, but we need to be among the flock. If you and I are not among the flock, at least two people are missing out. At least the one that's not here is missing out. And there's at least one here in person that's missing out. There are people that we look forward to seeing. And when they're not here, it's very obvious. We miss the absence of their presence. So when they're not here, we know that and we miss them. And I can't fellowship with you from my living room. I can't, well, in my case, dining room, but that's, that's something different. So let's, let's be conscious of that, thinking in terms of not just ourselves, where I'm more comfortable on my couch. Just, just try something different. Just try and not center things around you. Some of us have a problem with that. But think about others. Fellowship. I want to be there for them. I want them to be there for me. And there are people even among us today that live alone. They don't have anyone to say good morning. They don't have anyone to encourage them, pray with them. You can pray for them, but it's even better if you can pray with them. We need to be conscious of the importance of fellowship. And we get to hear this a lot. Well, I can pray at home by myself. Yes, you can. We can't deny that. But there's a passage in the Bible that says, do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren. Do you believe that part? Well, that's only if it's convenient. Oh, the Lord chose to leave that part out. Do not forsake the fellowship. Verse 27, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. Fire has no power. With the Lord, death has no power. The hair of the heads was not cinched, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. Not even the smoke, the fire, as intense as it was, that did not come through in their clothing. When God does a miracle, he supernaturally controls all the details of that miracle so that the power is unmistakable. And there is no other explanation. Have you ever seen a miracle? Uh, I'm going to say, I like to believe that everybody in this room has seen a miracle. If you haven't, when you get home today, go look in your favorite mirror. You'll see a miracle. Think about, not too long. Think about where you were. Don't spend a lot of time there because that could be bad. And then how the Lord has brought you this far. Think about that area of sin that you struggled with for many, many, many years. And you didn't think you would ever be able to come out of it. The Lord says, I got you. And he brought it out. And, and, and I know some of the people here personally and some of the things that, they've, that the Lord has brought them out of. And it seemed hopeless. Never hopeless. Heard me say uh, earlier that you look up those words in the Bible. Hope appears 126 times. Hopeless appears seven times. 
And none of those hopeless was spoken by the Lord. Because there's always hope. I don't care what you're going through. The, the minor afflictions, the pain, all the things that we go through, even these colds and flus and, and sciatica and all kinds of stuff. He can take care of that. So there's no other explanation for why this happened. Why does a loving God do things that we consider loving? Because we're thinking from a fleshly standpoint. God is love. End of sentence. He can't lie. He cannot love. He can't help but love. We need to think that way. 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that way? Do you figure, feel that you should not worship any God except your own God? And we say it with our mouth, but we've got idols stacked to the roof. Not pointing a finger at anybody. Guilty. I like toys. But you have to ask yourself, have I gone across the line and make this thing an idol? And it could be anything, anything at all. It could even be a person. Make this person an idol. I would rather spend time thinking about that person than thinking about God. I would rather spend time with that person than with God. And having grown up with uh, two brothers and just seeing them just come up with idols that were detrimental to their very lives, but they stayed there. They served those idols to the very end. And some of you have experienced that yourselves. Uh, brother, sister, mother, father, uncle, aunt. Be careful. Be careful what we just call things that we like and things that are actually idols. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, this is Nebuchadnezzar in verse 29, Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap or a dunghill, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Now, you might say, ah, Nebuchadnezzar is starting to recognize our Lord and Savior as God one more time. Not yet. It may appear that way, but... If you really read the context of this, you'll see that he doesn't. Verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar was eager to add the God of these men to his list of deities. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar would learn that their God was not one of many, but the only true and living God. He saw this. He saw evidence. He saw God perform miracles. Yet, he was willing to put God in the same categories as the other hundred uh, deities in, his, in their life, especially in Babylon. There were numerous gods. Anything new under the sun? There's still a lot of gods in some of our lives. The decree of Nebuchadnezzar only gave priority to the God of heaven. Only gave him priority. He has not accepted him personally. That's important, my friends. If you have not accepted our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you're still hanging out. You can't go in on grandma's coattail. You can't go in on my mother's prayers. You can't go in on anything except your personal relationship with him. Nothing else is, is going to substitute for that. Until you get to the point where you say, I accept him. 
Well, my whole family saved. Okay. How about you personally? Well, yeah, you know, we got a tradition of going to mass. Okay. How's that working out for you? Nebuchadnezzar makes himself the defender of God rather than a believer of God. Are we a defender of God rather than a believer of God? We're gonna, we can go with Jude. Contend for the faith. I'm contending for the faith. But is my faith based on faith? Or is my faith in Jesus true, living, fresh, new, current? How's your faith in Jesus? Nebuchadnezzar has not accepted him personally. And he's only defending the gospel rather than believe in it. Do you? Well, I have to believe in it in order to defend it. No, you don't. Not at all. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has had no personal experience, though he was impressed by what he has seen. Has God impressed you with some miracles that he's done? Has God impressed you by that lady next door that has cancer and you pray with her, pray for her, and have others join in that, and then she miraculously clean, no signs of cancer. How does that happen? Well, because we prayed for her. Is that really what caused the, the transformation? Prayer is good, but we need to understand the source of those miracles. And it's just a miracle that we will be willing to pray for someone besides ourselves. Some of us only pray for stuff and things. We need to pray for the body. We need to pray for the flock. We need to pray for one another. And I've said it 76 times. Prayer can't be overdone. And nobody can prevent you from praying for them. Well, can I pray with you? No. I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe that mumbo jumbo. I've tried prayer and it didn't work for me. They can cause you to cease from praying with them, but they can't stop you from praying for them. Always have a heart to keep praying. Never give up. Always think in terms of right now as we're sitting here, there have been people who've already gone to the prayer room to pray for us. Right now, there are people here who are praying for us as we speak. Right now, there are people who are honoring the Lord. And when you honor him, he'll honor you. Right now, we're being lifted up. Don't ever forget it. Nebuchadnezzar is going to experience um, conviction again. In chapter 4, we will hear his personal testimony of conversion. Right now, we're seeing Nebuchadnezzar acknowledge Jesus Christ, but only in terms of convenience for him. He has not accepted him as a personal savior. That makes all the difference in the world. The three Hebrew boys are back in Nebuchadnezzar's favor. Twice now, they have had the sentence of death upon them. We have to go back to Daniel chapter 1 and bring it up to see what, what, what this refers to. And they have. They've been threatened with death twice already. Twice they have been, been delivered miraculously. They've been delivered from this death sentence. He wanted to kill all the astrologers, all the miracle workers. He wanted to kill all of them. These young men were spared as a result of the Lord conducting Daniel to step up and speak for all of them. They've been delivered from that. And twice they have been promoted. They've been in Nebuchadnezzar's favor and they've been out of Nebuchadnezzar's favor. This is the third time, third opportunity for that. And that's how the world treats us. Some of us, probably all of us, at some time. We like you when you're doing things our way 
or when you in sync with us, if you're going along with the program, we like you. And then when you're not, they cast us aside. Some of you know about it. What have you done for me lately type of mentality. And it's going to continue to happen. But the Lord is able to keep his own in this world. God is faithful. And he has a remnant. He has a holy remnant always. And he has never not had a holy remnant. And he will never not have a holy remnant. The question is, are you among those numbers? That's really what it comes down to. God's doing these great things, and he wants us to be the beneficiaries. But it's going to cost you something. What do you mean, brother? Salvation is free. You decide. What did Jesus give up for salvation? Gave up some things. He gave up all things. He gave up everything. All of the above. Jesus gave it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed us white as snow. He gave it all, friends. All. So four verses, four reference scriptures, and we're going to close out a little early today so you guys can go play in the snow. The first one is John 10, 27 through 28. And these four verses, four reference scriptures, are just encouragement for us. I know there's a lot of struggling going on. There's a lot of disbelief going on. There's a lot of heartbreak going on. There's a lot of uh, deception going on as a result of what's, what ha what's going on in our lives, each one individually. But I'd like to, to end with these and call them words to live by. There are many, many more, but these are the four things that he put on my heart this week, or last week at this point. John 10, 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that his people shall never perish, and neither shall anyone snatch them out of their hand? The word says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Does it say that there would be no weapon formed against us? No, it does not. The weapons are being formed against us every single day. And for you people who are tuned in to what's going on around us, you know better than I do. Every single day. Let's see, let's, let's come up. How can we instill fear in this, these sheep? What can we say to make them afraid and, and just they're going to bow down as Nebuchadnezzar has them bowed down? He's using fear tactics. Our world is using fear tactics. Will we give in? The answer is yes. Well, how do you know? Because we've already proved it. We've already proved that we were, we were cave in. Well, I didn't cave in. I didn't give in to that. To some degree, you did, even though it might not have been as much as someone else. No, I didn't, I didn't wrap my face in a diaper. I didn't stop doing this. I didn't stop going there. But to some degree, a part of you was taken away. Even to the point of maybe you're a, a family or a couple that likes to go out to movies. Gone. Your family that likes to go to the country and buy a great pie. Gone. Your family that just likes to go to the mall and walk for exercise, gone. So at some point, a little bit of you was taken away, and we caved in. Yeah, but brother, what was our alternative? You asked the Lord, what is your alternative? What should you have done instead of that? John 17, 11, and 15. 
Now I am no longer in the world, but, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep enough, I'm sorry, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Who or what is the evil one in your life? The evil one in my life is different from some of you, not all of you. Who is the evil one in your life? We could very easily say, well, Satan. We can say that. And it could be true. But how much of this evil is us? Have we created for ourselves? How many things could we have avoided but we chose not to because it was a path of least resistance? How many things could we very easily have done without? How much pain have we that is a result of self-inflicting? I don't know why he put me in this situation because he allowed free will. You chose to go down that, that broad road. You're at the fork in the road now. Broad road, narrow road. Which should I choose? It shouldn't be a question. It's not something you need to ponder. What is the benefits of going down that narrow road? What's the benefit of going down that broad road? You decide. Pray about it. And sometimes we're in a situation where we know that the wound is self-inflicted. I know I made a bad decision. I knew there would be consequences. And bear in mind that he says, some sin leads to death. The version that I've got says all sin leads to death. So if you're going down the road of sin, you know the outcome. It's just a question, are you ready for the consequences? Third verse, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to, through, come to God through him, since he always, always lives to make intercession for them. Always. Well, doesn't he sleep? Doesn't he slumber? No. Always looking to make intercession for us. Never stops. He's always there. No matter what, how, when, who, he's always there. Always. Second Timothy, last verse. One. Second Timothy one twelve. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. If you're ashamed of Men, relative to the gospel, then I will be ashamed of you, my father. We don't want that. Pray for boldness. But brother, I, I just, I, I'm just not bold enough to witness to, to my cousin. He's a heathen. So are you. Pray for boldness. Pray that the Lord would give you that whatever it takes. You know, we... we we're very vocal when we're talking about our favorite football team, basketball, hockey, whatever we're into. We're very bold about that. Well, let me tell you about that new quarterback. For uh, Yeah, okay. Tell them about Jesus. And never, ever, ever underestimate the power of God in your life. Never. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because is there are some here right now that continues to be in failure mode. I fail. I fail the Lord. I slip, I tumble, fell down. So I, don't, I just feel like I lost my salvation. No. No, you did not. No, you did not because he knows that we're fleshly beings. He knows that we are prone to wonder. He knows that we're going to fall. He knows that we're going to slip up. He knows we're going to make mistakes. But when he said, it is finished, all that was taken care of. It is finished. That means it's done. I got you covered. 
I just can't seem to get it together, brother. Well, you won't on this side. You're not going to. I don't care who you are, how anchored to the rock you are, how steadfast you are, you are going to mess up. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Yes. It's not something that we feel proud saying, but it's the truth. Even on our best day, we're going to mess up. And that's why he says, hey, guys, check this out. My mercies are new every morning. Every morning. So when you wake up and, oh, wow, new mercies on the pillow, I got a chance. Yes, you do. You do. Focus on that. Believe that. Trust that. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. It's true. We have proof. We have proof. You're never done. You're here. You're here now. He has a plan for you. For me? Yeah, for you. He has a plan for you. Well, it sure doesn't seem like it. Well, because in the flesh, I'm going in a preconceived notion. I'm going in with an expectation of what the Lord is going to do through Richard's life. It's a bad mistake. Because now you've got to wonder, wait a minute, which one of you is God here? You know, you want your way? And you only want him to bless what you want. You want his will to line up with yours. You got that all wrong. It's like back in the 60s, 70s, God is my co-pilot. <laughs> Not good. So whoever thought that up, they thought they had a good idea, but it's way off base. If God is your co-pilot, then you better switch seats. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us together. And I pray, Father, that uh, your word was rightly divided. And if I had said even one word that caused my sister or my brother to stumble, I pray that you would just eliminate it from our minds even now. So, Lord, I just thank you for every heart here, Father, every family that's represented. And uh, I would be amiss if I didn't pray for the prodigals among us, Father. There's so many, and those numbers are growing every day. Nebuchadnezzar is still recruiting. So I thank you, Father, for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do. May you receive the glory of everything that we say and do throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus.